0: Welcome to Too Many Audibles. Let's
1: go!
0: Welcome back to Too Many Audibles. We're excited to be here with you. We got a special Christmas episode coming your way. Hope everybody's having a Merry Christmas, getting prepared for the holidays. Man, we got a lot of sports back in action. NBA's back. We're ready to talk about it. How y'all doing?
1: Well, well, well. Another Too Many Audible's episode after another Steelers loss. It, <laughs> it could not be going better right now for the TMA it, crew out outside uh, of Cameron. Uh, but I'm feeling great, gentlemen. Let's talk some sports.
2: Yeah, I think the uh, shower curtain's starting to grow some mold on it, Cam. You might need to run down to Dollar General, buy a couple cheap ones, you know, cost you a couple bucks. Replace those shower curtains, because them steel curtains, man, they don't hold up. They don't repel that shower mold like they should be doing, Cam, so... Matt to look into that. Can't,
3: do that can't catch a ball and can't beat the Cincinnati Bengals I don't know it's kind of tough over there I'm not gonna clown on you too much at the end of the day I know you're gonna oh our record's better than yours but we'll, we'll get to it I'm glad to be
0: here talking no, no, sports no.
3: with you fellas
0: I, I think it's really funny yeah yeah bring on all the jokes because when it comes down to it <laughs> hey hey, hey uh, Bryce apparently it ain't so sweet up in Carolina this year half one drafting in the top five same for you there, Mr. Falcons fan, and same for you. <laughs> hey, let me know. Let me know if the Cardinals make the playoffs, because I know. Uh, I'm just saying. I, I know when playoff weekend comes around, y'all won't be busy because y'all seems will be preparing for the draft like y'all do every year. Uh, so just enjoy watching the Steelers in the playoffs. You know, keep dreaming. <laughs> I um,
1: th- this might be a hot take, but I would almost rather not make the playoffs versus my team starting 11 and 0 and then losing three straight. That include the Washington Football Team and the Cincinnati Bengals. So. I'll tell you what, Devin, being a Tennessee fan all these years has
0: really taken its toll on you because that's now twice I heard you say, I'd rather lose to a good team than win barely versus a bad team. You, have, And that was in reference to Georgia almost losing to Mississippi State and Tennessee, I guess, well, y'all didn't really beat anybody this year barely, but that was the reference. And now you're telling me you'd rather not make the playoffs
1: than listen, just listen, be, be better than it, good. listen, it, it takes it takes a toll on you. All right. And I'm not saying that it's probably the most reasonable thing to say. But when you when you've uh, been accustomed to just losing, you know, it's just some things <laughs> that you say that probably doesn't make the most sense. And you just feel like it's right in your heart. So I guess that's where we're at these days.
0: Dev's over here like, hey, guys, I've, I've built my whole life off of losing. Oh, it's really yeah. it. you you, it not that bad, That's y'all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so after the 10th after
0: the year, guys, you get used to it. <laughs> oh, no. But unfortunately, not everyone lives like you, Devin. You know, some of us, our teams are used to success. So right now when my Steelers are losing three straight, it, it's hard. It's not, it's not easy on me, you know, and especially after I just made a, a six-hour drive up to Cincinnati to see my Steelers and <laughs> – I was up there in that freezing cold weather, wind right off the river, and just, I'll tell you what, it felt a lot colder when we were down 17 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Hey, it's the season of giving, and Von Bell gave Juju the hit, heard around the world. Yeah. And in our case, in our case we heard it up in section 315. So I want to ask you, Cameron, since we all know you're the Steelers aficionado here. I am the Steelers. What do you think, I am the what what's Canada. wrong with it? What's, what's wrong with Steelers? Who is the Steelers? Who's to blame? Is it Big Ben's fault? Is it time to draft a quarterback? What What's up?
0: I will say, you know, it's funny to watch the trend of, uh, you know, the Georgia football and Pittsburgh football uh, this year. It, the trends are almost identical. You know, a shaky offense and the backbone of the team is supposed to be the defense. And ironically enough, the defense is catches injuries and is not able to hold up the off, You know, their end of the bargain when the offense is struggling. Same as this year. You know, uh, Ben coming off that elbow injury, he was looking good earlier in the season, but we were throwing a bunch of short passes, letting our receivers do the work. Now we've got receivers dropping balls. I think defenses are kind of they're just taking away the short game, daring Ben to throw it deep and quite honestly, Ben's arm, elbow, shoulder, whatever it is, doesn't look like he can throw that deep ball. He's not driving. And then on the other side, you know, the the def- the strong like the strength of our defense was the front seven. We've now had five injuries to our linebackers alone, two of two of them starters done for the season. Uh, so I mean, it's like injuries kind of piling up on defense. Uh, it's kind of looking like this might be the beginning of the end for Ben. Uh, I know I've been saying that for years now, but I, I don't know I, Juju. I know everyone wants to point to Juju's dancing, but at the end of the day, you got to man up, accept the loss, figure out what's wrong and correct it. Because Juju's dancing is not the reason they're losing. He was dancing when we were eleven and 0. But I get it. You know, when you're 11 and 0 when you're dancing, it's all fun and games. Everyone's in a good mood. You're winning. But now, now you're 0 and 3 in the past three games. It's time to get serious. Get back to work. Focus in, and you know, correct these things. But I wouldn't say Juju's dancing is the reason we're losing. Yeah, it's it's a whole multitude of things.
1: I think um, just watching that game, one of the biggest problems I saw um, was really just um, Big Ben. I, I mean, he's been taking so many hits over the last few games. Um, and and he's it's clear that he can't hold up, um, you know, like he used to, and I mean even like you know you don't get hit hard, but you fall down and you're bracing yourself on that bad elbow, like it still hurts, you know, like and especially adds up in the game, you know, you never want to get hit as a quarterback, especially if you're getting hit five six times a game, like that takes a toll on you, and then you you know you got to go back to practice and try to work it off, and then go back into the next game, and you're getting hit another five or six times, so I think that's been. One of their biggest uh, concerns is being able to keep the pocket clean and, and keep him safe and, and his jersey, uh, you know, clean. Is because it, it's been noticeable the more pressure that defense is put on the offensive line to to go and attack Big Ben, they haven't really had much success, you know, beating that blitz, especially with drop balls like you said. So you might have the perfect play call to beat the blitz, but if your receivers are going to drop the ball, then at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. So. He's just been taking especially, a lot of hits, and I, he just can't hold up like that anymore. Uh, so I think that's one of the big problems. Especially when you problem. consider,
0: especially when you consider the fact that the Steelers have the thirty-first ranked run offense in the league. So you're not t- you're not helping your quarterback out when you can't run the ball. I mean, defenses are they're not respecting the run. They're loading up on the pass. They're blitzing like crazy, daring us to run. So that you're not doing your quarterback, who is older in age, coming off an injury, any favors. So uh, I don't I don't know, man. It was. To lose, to win 11 straight, and now lose through straight, and not to mention we next this coming week we go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. That's not a give me game by any means, and we finish the season with the Browns, and all of a sudden the hot start the Steelers got onto. Now we might lose the division to the Browns in week 17 if we lose. It's at Cleveland, and it's looking like it's gonna be the deciding game of who takes the AFC North, which is crazy to me, considering how we started that- off.
2: I think we all can assume that the Browns are going to beat the Jets this week, and I think the Steelers go into in, the Steelers go into Indy
0: not so fast. Yeah, top t- I think we could all assume that last week we would assume. I think everyone would have bet on the Rams, but hey, that's why you play the game. I think we all would have assumed the Steelers would get it back on track versus one of the bottom three teams in Cincy. but apparently it's upset week in the NFL. So if you hear yeah, this kind of goes to show.
2: <laughs> that kind of goes to show how like no one truly knows what they're talking about when it comes to the NFL because no one picked the Jets to beat the Rams. No one picked, maybe a few people, me including, but no one picked the Bengals to beat the Steelers. And so I guess what I'm getting at is the Steelers go into Indy, a top-ten team, and the Browns go into New York. You could very well see, like you said, them being tied after starting 11 to 0, the Browns being at the top of the division and the Steelers fighting for a wild card spot. Well, we'll, which well is that's just
0: No, we're not fighting for a wild card. We the Steelers have clinched the playoffs. So at worst they will make the wild card. But
2: they'll be 5th. They'll be 5th. They'll be the 5th seed, I think. But hosting, that's still
0: It's the difference in hosting yeah, the first round of the playoffs.
2: That's road games that the Steelers will have to travel to and after seeing what i saw on monday you do not want to play on the road if you're the steelers if i'm not mist- and so at this point
0: if i'm not mistaken though as a matter of fact if the way the, the way the lineups or the uh, standings are shaking right now the chiefs being one the bills are now two because they've got the tiebreaker over the steelers at three losses if the steelers lose to the browns i believe the browns would actually take the three seed as the division winner and the Steelers would slip to the fifth seed, which would actually then put the Steelers right back in Cleveland for the wild card. Yeah, so we might be looking at two straight games in Cleveland,
1: which could also—I mean—that's pretty tough too. Because anytime you're you're ending your season, especially when you've been on a rough patch the last three games. Ending your season with two ten and four teams is never easy. Uh, you know, you you want some of those those uh, bottom of the league teams to kind of you know get some things back on track and figure it out before those playoffs start. Um, and you know, everyone get the chemistry and just you know figure out the small details. But finishing with with Indy and in the Browns is not an easy task. Um, you know, and as it looks right now, the you know the Steelers could potentially lose out. Um, you know, I know that's not ideal by any means. They won't means, do it though. But we won't do it.
0: As a, as a lifelong Steelers fan of now, uh, 20 I'm about to be 23 years old. I've been following them, I'd say, since I was in middle school, so about 11 years old. So for the better part of Ben's career, the Steelers typically, they, they love to play down to their competition. I can't tell you how many times I've watched us lose to under 500 teams. But then we'll play a good team, a la the Tom Brady Patriots or the uh, Mahomes Chiefs a couple years ago, We'll go in there. We'll play We'll play the good teams close. So I don't doubt that we'll get it back on track. Uh, if anybody's out there sports betting, take the Steelers this week. I guarantee we get it back on track. Long key, I'm not worried about the Browns. Like, at the end of the day, like they, could, they might beat us Week 17. I doubt it because at the end of the day, it's the Browns versus the Steelers. But if they beat us Week 17 in Cleveland, on everything I love, we'll beat them in the wild card in Cleveland. Like, at the end of the day, we're the Steelers. They're the Browns. One is the most historically winningest franchises in the league. The other is historically one of the most losingest franchises. (laughs) Not worried about that. It's Baker Mayfield. Like we've broken hearts on road games in in Baltimore and in Cincinnati before, and we'll do it in Cleveland if we have to. You know, welcome to the playoffs. You don't have to travel far to go home because we'll beat you right in your house. Okay, that's the good one. Well, I, I feel
3: like the argument you made for Cleveland against the Steelers could be used for Cleveland side of it too. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you go into Cleveland and you beat them week 17, who's to say that they don't come around and beat you? Like I, I think that having to play them twice in general sounds like a terrible thing to do, just because yes, you are historically the winning franchise and yes, you should beat the Browns. But like you said, Big Ben, I, I do think this is the beginning of the end. I could see him definitely going to a different team and having that like revitalation of his career like Peyton Manning had with the Broncos per se. I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time, like Devin would well, say. Well we'd have
0: to the Steelers would have to cut him or trade him though. The Steelers, because Ben signed on for two more years after this year. So the Steelers have to cut him or trade him. I don't think anybody's trading for him, and I don't see us cutting him and eating that.
1: that How much, I think he's smart enough to know, though, like as a quarterback that, who has had a lot of success in the NFL – at at that point that you reach where you know, like, all right, like, it's time to hang him up, I think he would even retire before even considerations of him going to another team or even after his contract's over. Uh, I mean, I think any NFL player who has played a lot of seasons in the NFL and has, you know, put a lot of, of, of toll on their body, I think they all know at some point. I mean, why do you, Calvin Johnson, they, I mean, that's one of the smartest things you can do. You're in the league for several years. You make a lot of money, you have a good career, and you retire before you have any serious injuries, you know. So I, I think Big Ben knows too that it, it's kind of looking at that point where this might be the end of the road, and unless I, you know, want to be able to move my my right arm again, you know, for the rest of my life, like it might be time to kind of hang it up and and you know, get a hobby or something.
0: I mean, I, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. You can't play this game at a high level, especially. In a franchise like that where winning is the expectation, you know what I'm saying, We're, this, you're playing in Pittsburgh. You're not playing in Carolina and you're not playing in Atlanta. Like, you know, going 500 and being pretty bad is not acceptable. The fans aren't gonna, just going to chalk it up to be like, oh, it is what it is. Things are going to have to get corrected. We hold ourselves to a different standard. You're playing for the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl. And, you know, teams like the Falcons, they're not getting either. So <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you can't be a Steelers – Speaking <laughs> speaking of the Falcons,
1: no. <laughs> do y'all believe that Calvin Ridley was kind of snubbed of the Pro Bowl?
0: Yes, I'll let, I'll let y'all. Kick yes it off. and no. Here's my here's my thing, I, and I'll, I'll kind of let you know y'all take this one because I know y'all are more Falcons fans, uh, pressing and whatnot. But I I'm looking at the at the other Pro Bowl selections, and I I can't lie, I have to agree with a lot of them. Um, the only one I have a disagreement with is AJ Brown. I think he should be the replacement. Every other one over Calvin, I I admit, I think someone's got to get left off, and that's terrible. But when I look at A.J. Brown, he's missed four games. He's only had four 100-yard receiving games, and Calvin Ridley has five more receiving touchdowns than him. So I would like to say give it to Calvin. Uh, My only thing about Calvin is there was one game that he played in, was healthy, and if I'm not mistaken, no Julio, maybe Julio, though. And Calvin had no catches. Like, that's kind of – that's a big knock, and when you consider that it, Pro Bowling is based on fan voting and fans, neutral fans, typically don't pay attention to like the worst teams in the NFL, so I just wonder how many Falcons fans outside of, or NFL fans outside of the Falcons really paid attention to what he was much doing. of a shock yeah, as I think
3: that too. was, it was factual. It, it was factual, and that's the reason Calvin Ridley that's is not, not in the Pro Bowl precisely, because A.J. Brown is on a winning team down here in
0: Nashville.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly.
0: No, that wasn't a shot. That wasn't a shot at the Falcons. Like I like I said, just based off statistics alone, I I would have put in Calvin over AJ Brown. I would take Calvin over AJ Brown as a receiver right now. Yeah. I'm just saying. Unfortunately, voting. yeah,
1: unfortunately that's not always the case. Um But think about it, if your team is winning more games and ultimately you have more publicity and people focus on you more, they kind of see what you do more, versus if you're on a team like the Falcons or the Jets, you could be balling out. And unless you're just a clear-cut, you know, you're a top-five receiver in the league and you're still on a bad team, then a lot of those guys kind of get left out. Um, I mean, it it sucks to see. I personally think. At the end of the day, A.J. Brown has won more games.
2: I personally think that Calvin should have been in over Justin Jefferson, and that's not saying Justin Jefferson didn't ball because he did. But Ridley finished the season with two more touchdowns, and he had seven games where he went over a hundred yards, and he played less games than Justin Jefferson did. You say, did. And he put up relatively, relatively the same numbers. Did you
0: say ten or two more touchdowns?
2: Two more touchdowns than Jefferson. I think seven games with over a hundred yards. And he played less games. I
0: think when you look at it between Justin Jefferson, though, is you kind of got to say Justin Jefferson is doing more with less because as, as much as I'm not a huge Matt Ryan fan, he is heads and shoulders better than Kirk Cousins. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan also has Julio Jones, which the defense typically is going to focus on Julio more than they are Calvin. So that takes a little bit of the pressure off of Calvin. But I think it's gotten to the point where – Adam Thielen's a red zone target, but due to the lack of efficiency at quarterback for the Vikings, like Justin Jefferson's kind of made more of an impact. Not to mention, that team could still sneak in the wild card.
1: Yeah, well, and that too, I mean, Justin Jefferson is is a top three candidate for rookie of the year right now, too. You know, So anytime you got a rookie that's putting up those type of numbers, regardless of, of what team they're on or, or who's doing better statistically or who's played in more games, at the end of the day... He, he's a top three candidate for Rookie of the Year. So, naturally, those guys will also get a little more publicity than a guy that's only two or three years in the league. Um, and, exactly. and J.J.'s been balling. He's been doing his thing, but and so is Calvin. So, it always sucks to see because there's always that kind of controversy of who should get in and who shouldn't. But just one thing I want to add, Alvin Kamara has been in the league for four years, and he's been to four Pro Bowls. So, keep that in mind. Go balls.
3: <laughs> and. When it comes to when it comes down to it, it's like I'm an Alabama fan, obviously, and I'm a Falcons fan. So I want my boys Julio and Calvin to do well, but in this circumstance specifically, um, I feel like Julio being on the team is what keeps Calvin Ridley from getting into this Pro Bowl because. I live in Nashville, and it's like the city loves A.J. Brown. Like, everyone around here knows who A.J. Brown is and loves him. And if you were to go to Atlanta, you're not going to hear as much hype about Calvin Ridley when you have a superstar like Julio Jones on the other side of the field.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, he's been in the league for for a while now, and everyone knows what he's capable of, so he's kind of um, overshadowed a little bit, but... Maybe, uh, maybe Calvin really just needs to pack his bags from being overshadowed and, and just go to a New York team, like maybe like Kyrie Irving did or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Start burning some sage. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm. And I'm gonna say. Well, me. well. What's up, Bryce?
2: Ultimately, though, I th- ultimately though I think Calvin really actually might be in now because isn't DK's season over with the leg injury?
0: No, didn't he come back against?
2: He did he come back into that game?
0: I I, I don't think. I don't think he's done for the season. I believe he came back, which I thought was kind of crazy.
2: I didn't know how I didn't know how serious it was, but that's good. But ultimately, I think one of those receivers will end up playing. You know, probably sitting out. So I mean, Calvin Ridley might have his chance to actually shine. So I mean, maybe maybe it is a good ending after all. Because I do think Calvin Ridley is deserving of it. Because like you said, even with Julio on the team, and granted he didn't play much, Ridley's really carved out his role. Like even without Julio, if Julio chooses to move part ways I mean I know he's a Falcons for life but if for some reason he's not on the team next year you won't see a huge drop off in production because Calvin Ridley has really taken over role like I mean I know Press is happy because Bama's wide receiver you am I right so <laughs> it's said. it's good to see it's good to see uh, these uh, Falcons receivers uh especially Calvin Ridley doing work so I mean he's just uh, he's a special talent for sure
0: yeah I I agree but I'll, I'll say the biggest the biggest the biggest pro ball snub is not even Calvin Ridley The biggest Pro Bowl snub is Evan Ingram getting in over Robert Tanyan.
1: Yeah, that's facts.
0: Which makes no sense to me. I was looking because I saw the stats. Somebody else pointed it out, and I saw the stats, right? On the season, Evan Ingram only has four more catches than Robert Tanyan and only 21 more receiving yards than Robert Tanyan. But Robert Tanyan has nine more touchdowns and eight fewer drops and he averages almost five more yards per catch than Evan Ingram. And
1: what's crazy, too, about that whole thing is who plays on a better offense? Who has more weapons around their offense? The Packers do, right? So if you're looking at it, that's I mean, that's honestly because at the end of the day, everyone knows Devontae Adams is the main guy, you know, and you got Lazard, you got Valdes, Gantling, you got Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is basically a receiver for the Packers anyway, you know, so the okay.
0: – Evan, Evan Ingram leads the league in drops for a tight end.
1: But at the same time, like, New York, like, the Giants, they don't really have much. Wayne Gallman's been playing well, but they don't really have much offense. Are you trying to tell you know, me so for,
3: isn't the best quarterback in the league?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, like – That just kind of pokes holes. Evan Ingram, should, his stats should be way more padded because he's the only dude on that team. Like, yeah.
2: That just kind of pokes a hole in the way the Pro Bowl set up because at the end of the day, it's a it it can be attributed to kind of to a popularity contest because it's the fans who vote. The year that the Panthers went 15 and one, we had we had several several dudes on that team. I'm like, well, he's good, but he's not better than so and so. He they everyone just sees, oh, he's part of the Panthers. He's the Panthers starting right outside linebacker. He he probably is really good. So we'll just go ahead and vote him. Unless you're if if you're a casual fan. You're gonna see Evan Ingram. And go, oh, I know it. I know that name. You know, I'm gonna vote him. And you won't know about Tanya unless you really play fantasy football and kind of monitor the waiver wires. Like Tanya's been doing work, so it's like kind of like that's kind of one of the only nitpicks I have with the Pro Bowl voting because ultimately it comes down to the fans. And you know, some guys will always get snubbed just for that reason alone. So that's something that kind of speaking of uh,
1: of getting snubbed. yeah. Are, the the Jets are, are now officially out of the running for Trevor Lawrence after their win against the Rams. Dude, uh,
0: uh, they're not officially. Is it, the Jags could lose another. They them, could, but, but they could. They could win. They
1: could win. A, as it stands right now, but I, the, the Jets are are, are, are not going to be able to have that first pick. It's like, can they even do anything correctly? Like, so you're telling me you would it's funny have, to have see. a, a one win season over the best quarterback in college football? Well, see,
0: that's that's. It's funny to of
2: see because a, essentially the Jets, that one game they won, is going to result in another 10 years of losing. You know, like, that could happen. I mean, if the Jags end up with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you, you they might have just shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And that could mean the Jets end up with uh, Justin Fields. Hey, I, and I'm not really sold on Justin Fields in the NFL. Man, be I, wouldn't be, I
0: wouldn't be surprised to see Zach Wilson get drafted over Justin Fields. But, yeah, I mean, but you got to think about uh, when you're tanking, man. It's like, for the, when you're on the Jets, like, front office executives you know the gm they may want to tank because they realize what trevor lawrence is but as a player on that team like that's like as a player on the team like you're still fighting for a job you're still going out to like to fight for if i get cut or like or something i need to be able to put game tape out there for like on my resume so i can get to another job like you're not trying to suck either like as a player you're looking at you're saying I don't care about the next ten years of this franchise. I may not be with it. Like it's a pride thing. Like you don't want to be a part of that team that goes zero and sixteen. Like that's embarrassing. It's
1: definitely. Only the- it's definitely demoralizing as a player, I could imagine, because y- your game plan isn't to go out and lose as bad as you can every single week. And and I would. There, I don't see there's any way that. Uh, players get behind that I think like you said Cam is definitely a little bit more front office and kind of GM and owner type of thing but at the end of the day everyone that's in the NFL they've been winners on majority of their lives and that's what they want to continue to do you know so it's not like the Jets have always been terrible you know so as a coach you know asking a player or maybe just having like this idea behind your season of just lose every game you can so you can get the next the first pick in the draft like I wouldn't be cool with that. That it's not the type of person I am, and I wouldn't imagine it's the type of person that those guys are either.
3: What do you mean it's not the type of person you are? Not even fifteen minutes ago, you were telling us how losing was such a good thing.
1: <laughs> when, when, okay. When you're a fan, it's different. But if you're actually playing yeah. something, y'all know, y'all know I'm competitive. So I, I don't like to lose. But yeah. it, it's kind of unfortunate for him. But
3: right, and it really puts a lot of question marks into that front office because. You, there's so many directions you can go with the second pick this year. So many directions. If you bring in a certain coach and that coach has a connection with Sam Darnold, maybe you keep Sam Darnold. Maybe you trade the second pick and get a couple firsts. Like There's so many different routes. Hey, you can maybe, go. If,
0: maybe if I'm the Jets, I'm going to be honest with you. I think some, a pick that people aren't really talking about, but if you don't get Trevor Lawrence, I don't know if – Zach Wilson or Justin Fields as a prospect coming out of college, you know, potentially wise, is any more promising than the hype around Sam that Sam Darnold got when he came out of college as well. So maybe if I'm the Jets and I don't get Trevor Lawrence, I may think about picking up Oregon's less tackle, that Pinay that Swell guy. Because, I mean, to pair him with Malachi Bacon on that line, I mean, you're, you're going to need a solid left tackle and typically. Teams are built in the trenches. That's where you're going to win up front. I mean, if I'm not getting Trevor Lawrence, I may think about really investing in my future and building a strong offensive line. That weapons can Ugh. go around because it doesn't matter if you got Patrick Mahomes back there, or Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah, if your if your Damn, offensive line yeah. can't protect him, it, there's there's only so much you can do, and that's been one of their biggest problems this season is is giving the quarterback enough time to try to make a play. I don't think Sam Darnold's a terrible quarterback. I think he has a lot of potential, and he's got the arm, and he you know needs to work on a couple of things. But I really don't think that he's a bad quarterback as as much as the Jets are kind of making him out to be. Okay, if you don't have an offensive line that can protect you. Or even run the football, then there's not a whole lot you can do on offense. Well,
3: well hear me out. A, behind Jamison Crowder, can you name another receiver on the Jets? Um, they got that Mims guy. Don't know his first name. <laughs> like I, they don't have weapons for Sam Darnold either. It, it's like if you you, you can't protect him, you at least need some speed on the outside. You need something out there to give you a. That's I'm saying, and it's like, would it be? Do you think it'd be a stretch if they pushed for Devontae Smith at the number two pick?
0: yes yeah i think i think it is i mean because when i when i look at it every year there's going to be like every year in the draft the number one receiver is going to look like a freak like i get it Devonte smith is he he's a crazy athlete but he it's not like this is julio jones coming out of college or you know this is some six foot four built like a robot where you're like yo this guy could he's like a game changer like i mean Devonte smith will be a game changer But I think when you're the Jets and you have a lot of problems, I don't think adding a receiver should be your number one pick this year. I would build the offensive line. Maybe take a QB if you're just not sold on Sam Darnold, sure. But I would not go wide receiver with that first
2: base. I mean, I, I truly do think that even in the second round, if they do decide to skip, I think Kyle Trask will be available at the start of the second round. Mac Jones could slip to the start of the second round. I mean Zach Wilson could that dude out of uh Liberty's good, you know? That that uh, North Dakota State quarterback's really good. It's a deep, so it's a deep quarterback if you, class. Yeah, so if you really think that quarterback is what if you're the Jets owner in the front office and you really think that quarterback is what you need. Like you said, yeah, maybe you do start with cuz if you pair Sewell with Makai Beckton, 6 foot 8 Beckton, you have a cornerstone to build on for the next decade. You know, and I guarantee Trask will be available and you'll have some, you know, really good quarterback available at the start of the second round. But I I don't know if I'm ready to give up on Sam Darnold just quite yet. I mean, it's not like he's terrible. Sam Darnold's a good quarterback and we really haven't seen his, you know, full potential, especially with Adam Gase at coach. I mean, the supposed quarterback whisperer, he has not really, you know... Led that he hasn't, you know, shown that hype and you know translate to the field yet. So I'm not ready to give up on Darnold yet. But if they do end up with a number one pick, you have to pick but Lawrence. at the I mean, same just time, though, save. I <laughs> mean
1: that's not guaranteeing that that the Jets aren't looking to move Darnold. Because let's say they try to trade him off, you know, to a, a team for a, a little bit more experienced quarterback who's had some success in the league. And at that point, you know, let's say just hypothetically. So, something's worked out between the Falcons and the Jets and Matt Ryan ends up on the Jets and and Sam Darnold comes over to Atlanta oh. at that point if you're looking at your draft regardless if you got the first second third pick you know what uh what position would you be looking at then would you still be looking at left tackle or just the offensive line would you then be looking at a receiver since you have a little bit more uh experienced quarterback or you know their their defense is be
0: looking at I think they'd still be looking at drafting a QB because if I was Matt Ryan, I'd have to
1: talk. but that's just hypothetical. Like not necessarily specifically Matt Ryan, but just a lot of teams will do that instead of taking. You know, I get it. as Trevor Lawrence. Everyone can agree. If you got the first pick, he should be the first one gone off the board. But a lot of teams would rather have a guy that hasn't had too much success, but has you know four, five, six years in the league. You know, maybe as a backup or something to come in and, and try to lead your offense. So that's definitely not out of the picture either for the Jets.
0: Maybe. We'll see. We'll see about that. But uh, since you brought up Devontae Smith, you know, we're kind of talking about some QBs. Uh, Before we get into, uh, you know, the playoffs got announced in college football, I'm super excited about that. Both season's around the corner. But, uh, you know, I think the Heisman ceremony has been moved to January the 7th, I believe, a week. Like, after all the national championships, everything's been played, which is different because usually it's right after conference championship week. So how fitting, I would like to kind of break down how we all feel about the Heisman after conference championship.
3: I'll kick us off since uh, my team's the one with three contenders. Um, I I feel like we should just be able to split the trophy up into three portions and just divvy it out to Najee, Mack, and Devontae. And, And I know that if you've watched any of the interviews of them personally speaking on the Heisman, none of them care about it. Not even like a bit. They won't even acknowledge it. They've said since the beginning they came in and just want to win the ship. So when it comes down to it, I feel like that Heisman's going to go to Devontae Smith, but I'm happy to see it end up in any Uh of the hands of my Bama boys.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – I think we could all agree that the SEC championship game was going to be – or play a huge factor in that kind of Heisman decision um, at that point, it was looking like whichever quarterback played the best in that game was potentially going to walk away with the Heisman. Um, Kyle Trask really didn't, you know, play as well as he probably could have. Uh, Devonte Smith, but the question is, Najee Harris has been slowly but surely, like quietly, should probably, if if you put him in any other college football season recently, he should walk away with the Heisman. Yeah, I mean, he that. has, probably. he had five touchdowns in that game. You know, in Mercedes Benz, so he broke the Todd record. Gurley only yeah, had six on the whole year, so, uh, but he was only one and if shy. If I'm not mistaken,
0: isn't that Najee's second game of the season where he scored five touchdowns in a single game? Didn't he do it versus Arkansas? Uh, I'm not sure if he had five. I know for a fact he had four.
1: Yeah, it's definitely multiple with still, at least I mean, that's four. That's still ridiculous,
0: yeah. too, though. That's what I'm saying. That's so that's ridiculous, too. So, so, I, um, I'm sorry, before I go, were you going to finish, Devin? I was just saying, like,
1: I mean, at this point, I think, like, yeah, Kyle Trask has had a good season up to this point. Um, Had they have won against LSU and maybe been a little bit more competitive or potentially won the SEC championship game and made a, a playoff push, then Kyle Trask would have, you know, probably took that home with him. But right now, I would honestly love to see Devontae Smith win it. Um, I think that'd be awesome for a receiver to win since, what, like the 92 or 93 season or something. It's been a while. I know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would be cool. I think he's been balling. Mac Jones has been playing well. But the most deserving, I'd probably say, is Najee. That man's just been – he's been living in the end zone, and there's not a single defensive game plan that you can do to stop him or the Alabama offense. So, really, any of those guys, uh, I would like to see Devontae, but Najee probably should win it.
0: Well – We are in agreement about one thing. It should go to an Alabama player. And that Alabama player should absolutely, unquestionably be Devontae Smith. If Devontae Smith doesn't win the Heisman anymore, they need to officially announce this as a quarterback award going forward. Because Devontae Smith is the most deserving non-QB to come through college in a long while. And when you look at the other QBs in play, None of them I'm not really sold on as a Heisman contender. If we're, if we're looking at Trevor Lawrence, sure, he's been dominating for three years. You can make a case that he should already have a Heisman this year. So if he gets it this year and they look at it as, well, no one was really so standoffish that they undoubtedly were going to get it as like a Joe Burrow-esque last year or Lamar Jackson, I'd be cool with Trevor Lawrence getting it. But if not, it's got to go to Devontae Smith. Because when I look at, when I look at Mac Jones – Matt Jones has thrown up numbers, but he's not a Heisman to me. That's not me hating on him. I'd love to see the Steelers draft him, but he's not a Heisman to me. When you beat Arkansas 52-3 and you throw zero touchdowns, like that just tells me you are not the solely impactful player on your team. Like you're not that impactful. Like if your team can win 52-3 without you scoring, like then clearly you're not the most valuable player on that team. Najee Harris, in my opinion, is more deserving. But I'm looking at Devontae Smith because when Jalen Waddle went out, defense is solely focused on Devontae Smith. And all that man has done has gotten better. Like, defenses no longer have to worry about Jalen Waddle too. And all he's done is dominate, eat every defense he's gone against. He's done it on offense, on punt returns. I believe he's got a couple kick returns. I mean, he'll catch the deep ball. He'll catch a screen, break you. He's got that breakaway speed. I watched him torch george's defense i mean that that man i don't know like lsu when he cupped that when he cupped that ball at the end like that's that was his heisman moment that was the moment. you're
3: bringing me to tears cam i love hearing this keep keep going i know i know (laughs) i ain't ain't heard him say this
1: many nice things in a while
0: I can't lie, like man, every time I like every time I watch these games, like when you look at a Heisman, I'm like, who's popping off my screen? That's when I when I want a Heisman, who's popping off my screen, man. Lamar Jackson, he popped off the screen. Baker Mayfield popping off. I'm looking at uh who that Joe Burrow? How could you not like he would every all eyes were on him. And when I look at them, I'm just like in Florida, Kyle Trask, yeah, he's throwing 46 scores. But Florida will be padding his stats. They'll be on the two-yard line and throw three straight passes to get him a touchdown. And not to mention, he's solely reliant on Kyle Pitts, in my opinion, because not—it's a night and day difference between when Kyle Pitts is on the field. Pitts and when he's not. Mooney, or so nice. I know. I've gone on a long rant. Like uh, what?
3: Pitts and Mooney—that's his name, right? Mooney. Kadarius, Tony. Tony, Tony, Uh, Tony, Tony. I'm sorry for that. Um, Yeah, I I didn't know they were that legit until I sat down and watched the SEC Championship game playing against our defense. They gained a lot of my respect. I'm sorry. Continue.
1: No, they're they're legit. I think another point that you have to make about Devontae Smith, yeah, yeah, like Mac Jones has been putting up numbers this year, but if you look at the games where he has three plus, four plus, maybe five total touchdowns, I would probably say on the season – probably 80% of the touchdowns he's thrown has been to Devontae Smith. You know, so when you're having a a four-touchdown game and three of them is is to your number one wide receiver and he's got, uh, uh, you know, eight catches for 150 yards and three touchdowns, like that's over half of your stats to that one player alone. So probably is more impressive for Devontae to win it. Um, I, I know Bryce is is desperately sad because uh, Florida State won't have a quarterback in that conversation for a long while, <laughs> and neither will Tennessee, so that's all right. Uh, Bryce, who do you have as your as your Heisman?
2: Uh, my Heisman lock is none other than Trevor Lawrence.
1: I knew Lawrence. he would, it. I, I knew he would too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mister Mister Goldilocks, Carsville, born and raised. Clemson after Clemson wins the natty this year Trevor Lawrence and I know I know Samuel Fletcher's listening and he's gonna he's gonna roast me later but Clemson's gonna win the natty and after they do Trevor Lawrence is gonna win the Heisman you can't ignore what he's done even with the two games and listen listen I'm not anti-SEC as much as y'all make me out to be I like I like what Devontae Smith and Najee Harris has done like it's insane Najee Harris has scored more touchdowns than Derrick Henry this year, and Derrick Henry's beast mode season. And Devontae Smith, human highlight reel man. Like he's he's better than Henry Ruggs, and Henry Ruggs was a, a top first round draft pick, you know. So that that's just that set the bar high. But I think it's finally the year you give Trevor Lawrence some respect. I it would just flabbergast me if Trevor Lawrence went all throughout high school, you know, and did what he did. I mean, all throughout college and did what he did and not win a Heisman. And I think this is the year he finally wins it. His numbers his numbers are on par up at the very top of the hierarchy of quarterbacks this year. And I just think that after they make a statement this year and stun the nation and beat the unbeatable Bama team, I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna finally win it.
0: You know, I before this take I went back and forth. I almost I wanted to give Trevor Lawrence the Heisman. I wanna say so, but the thing that kept me from giving it to Trevor is because of the, the rearrangement of the ceremony and it being after the national championship this year. I'm afraid he won't get it because he's not gonna. He won't even win the playoffs. He's gonna get beat by Ohio State, and that's gonna be a big stain on what could potentially be a Heisen
1: season. Uh, first of all, Cam, let like me just him. stop you right there. Ohio State is not beating Clemson. Okay, and, and they that's are. the end. No, they it's are. not. They sh- they have struggled they in a lot of games this season. Justin Fields was going was you. going to be a Heisman front runner, you know, a, a top five pick, and could probably still be a top five pick. But these last, I would say, like two to three games that Ohio State has played, Justin Fields and that offense has not looked very good until late. Like they get it together and they pull it off, but he has not been playing like he's been playing in the past. And I think as a more look, look, complete look. team, Clemson definitely has the nod over them in every category. Defense is better. They've played tougher competition. They, you know, hand they like handled Notre Dame in, in their conference championship, and Trevor Lawrence in that offense is better than Justin Fields.
0: Man, look, Devin, you're being such a Devin downer right now. <laughs> like I, I know, I know, down there in Knoxville, it's nothing but rain and cloudy days in the near future. But, man, it, let me tell you, I just got back from Ohio. It's good weather up there, man. It's sunny. The birds <laughs> are still chirping. It's almost Christmas, but Christmas is in the air. And I'm saying, Ohio State, man, when you look at their season, it's been very inconsistent and in because their league, it's not Ohio State's fault, but their, their conference wanted to play around, cancel season, restart it, shorten it, not give them room for breaks. They had a crazy COVID protocol regulations where it cost them to, you know, forfeit a couple games. Opponents had to forfeit. They were never able to get in rhythm. But there's talent all over that team, and you can bet one thing, they're itching to get back on the field against Clemson last year after their season got ruined after they drove down the field and turned it over inside the 20-yard line in one of the best playoff games we've seen so far. Ohio State's itching to get back on that field, and Justin Fields knows coming out of high school, he was ranked number two behind Trevor Lawrence. They grew up only about 45 minutes away from each other. So you know that there's some connection. There's a little rivalry going on there. I'm telling you, Ohio State's going to shock there, you. There is, some, there is some
1: rivalry there. I mean, you look at your Elite 11 camps and your quarterback camps, coming out of high school, going into college. Those two guys were, were going back and forth at all of those camps, back and forth in recruiting, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, you're just still salty that – Kirby Smart couldn't keep Justin Fields in Athens. So that's a little Georgia bias coming out of you.
0: Hold up. That's not, that's not me, Salty. I'm rooting for him. I feel like Salty would be me being like, I can't believe you left us. I hope you get destroyed. But that, that's like, a typical that that's a typical Georgia
1: standpoint. So the kid's not playing for you anymore. He's a good player. So, of course, you want him to go and do good things. Like, I understand that. But you're, you can't tell me that Ohio State is not a better complete team than Clemson. I, I'm just going to say that. Like, At the I, I end of the, the day, Dabo sure. Sweeney –
3: Ohio State has a better chance of beating Clemson than Clemson does have a chance at beating us. I know that much.
1: Ooh. I would say that. I would say that's probably fair. I mean, who relatively who has a, a really good shot at beating Alabama this year? No one. So that's a pretty fair point.
2: I'm just. I'm just gonna say this. I'm just gonna say this. Ohio State with Chase Young, and J.K. Dobbins. And a better-looking Fields could not be Clemson last year. And you expect the Fields who threw three picks in one game this year, totaling his entire interception rate from last year, is a better team. And this Clemson team is better than they were last year. You have tra- Travis Etienne, who should have gone to the NFL, who would have been a first-round pick. And he is back this year, and he is putting up insane numbers. Trevor Lawrence is finally hitting his groove. I mean, COVID's kind of been messing with him, but he's finally back in it. And that defense is starting to look good. You know, they're starting to be on the same page. Their entire defensive line is made up a five-star talent. And they just handled Notre Dame. They handled a very good Notre Dame team like it was nothing. And you, you, you saw the difference that Trevor Lawrence made in that game being back in over DJ, and they just handled business. There's no way this Ohio State team, which is down from last year, Beats this year's Clemson team, and I'm not even ACC biased right now. I'm just saying it and, how it is. And I would, I would also. Like, this Clemson team will handle business. Too. Dang,
0: Bryce! Dang, Bryce! You must have been in the gym here recently because I know, you got to be really strong to be carrying the ACC on your back the way you are. <laughs> Because it wasn't two weeks ago you were talking about how Clemson's defense is not what it was last year. Notre <laughs> Dame can stay with them. It is not as strong as it was last year. And now you over here talking about Trevor Lawrence is the most deserving for the Heisman. The ACC is the best cover. Like, you, you just I, take,
1: take a breath. I'm take singing a, breather, I, I will also say I'll this. Leave. I'm singing a different tune. This.
2: I'm singing a different tune after watching that game where Clemson just dismantled Notre I think Notre this Dame. is another
1: big point that, that you that everyone has to focus on. At the end of the day, Dabo Sweeney kind of has that X factor to him. Not quite like Saban does, but in the recent seasons, Dabo Sweeney gets that Clemson team prepared almost better than anyone else in the country. And he knows that, you know, you lose a game in the season, you don't have your star quarterback, you lose a Notre Dame, you end up destroying them in the conference championship. Right around this time of year, you see very, very few, like, mistakes from a Clemson's football team. And Dabo Sweeney is a lot better coach than Ryan Day. Is he still the coach there? So I mean, at the end yeah. of
0: the why wouldn't he be the coach at there? the end of the day? The at
1: game. the end of the day, <laughs> Dabo Sweeney prepares Clemson. They have more experience, more talent, better on both sides of the ball than Ohio State. Do I think it has the potential to be a good game? Absolutely. But you're you're sadly mistaken if you think Ohio State's going to come in here and and handle Clemson.
0: I. I... That's really funny.
2: And another thing about that, Another thing about Clemson is well, was, Go ahead, just Preston.
3: super quick. I just wanted to say, I mean, you're acting like they're preparing for each game so diligent yada yada yada, but he's already dismissing his opponent by ranking them as low as he did in the Coaches Poll. He's already stated that he does
0: not care about Ohio State. That's some bulletin board material if I've ever seen it. You're not worried.
2: <laughs> Clemson What can you say? Clemson talent is different than Ohio State talent. Clemson's starting safety wasn't even ranked out of high school, and he is out here balling like it's nothing. I Five stars up north do not equal five stars down south, and Ohio State has proven that time and time again. Buddy,
0: Ohio State Tor- recruits nationally. They're not just pulling the northern, a- the northern athletes. You're saying it's, Clemson recruiting it, is not Ohio
2: They're mostly State.
0: – Ohio State's had a better recruiting class than Clemson two of the last four years. So it's like they're pretty even in recruiting. I, I I mean it's it's hard to say Clemson has the obvious advantage over Ohio State in, in recruiting. I'd say definitely Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson are very even when it comes to just the prospect talent they bring in. So Clemson does not have a clear edge over Ohio State in that. <laughs> There's athletes all over that field. At the and at the mention, end of the day, you're forgetting Clemson's
1: winning. They're going to the Natty. Just so they can get, right. just so they can get beat by Alabama, it, it's end of story. I think we can it, safely agree, um, but we'll, we'll we'll touch into that a little bit later on. Um, the, I want to talk about uh, this this bowl game with, with Cincinnati, maybe snubbed from the the playoffs. Who knows? Versus a Georgia team who who has caught fire over the last couple of weeks with J T Daniels. Let
0: me go. Let me go and take. Is, as much as it pains me to say, Cincinnati might have a real shot. I It, it depends on what Georgia team shows up. You know, I saw us uh, have a letdown against Texas, and then I saw us have a surprisingly good game against Baylor last year in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, it, it's come to the point where in college football, you're just going to have to accept that non playoff games are just not as important in college as they used to be. Like for teams with high aspirations, it's just gotten to that point. I mean, We're sitting here, we're, I mean, we're about a week away from the game. Georgia's already sitting at nine opt-outs on the game. Uh, A couple offensive linemen, about seven defensive players opting out. Uh, Last year against Baylor, we had 11 players not play in the game. So, would I be surprised to see a motivated, disrespected Cincinnati team come in here and upset Georgia? No, it wouldn't surprise me because it's the sad truth of college football. But, on some end you got to understand that this is the truth and you got to get ready to play georgia should not walk in there feeling snubbed in any playoff as if they did against texas they weren't in the playoff conversation i hope they come out and play good i do believe georgia will get the win ultimately if georgia comes in and plays hard regardless we're still more talented we're a better team than a power five cincinnati like I, and i've said that from the beginning power five needs to create their own playoff they're not good enough to hang with the top teams Like they may beat Georgia, sure, maybe, but they're not beating the top four. So as disrespected as they can feel, feel it because you're gonna feel it every year until you make your own playoff. I've got Georgia winning 30, 34 to 21, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
2: I get, I get the, I get the reasoning for sitting out. Like if you're some high end prospect, you know, like you have a day one draft grade on you. And this game is what you're playing in, and you know the chances of getting hurt is real. But at the same time, it, it just kind of gets under my skin seeing all these players just like wanting to duck from a game. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, this game doesn't matter to us. We're gonna sit out. I just kind of get. I just kind of irks me. Like I understand where they're coming from. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to have a smart, you know, business decision with this. But at the same time, it's like. What do y'all think? Do you think it's kind of like a little bit of loser blood when players sit out at bowl games and stuff like um, this?
1: I mean, you you can look at it different ways. I, I think with the uniqueness and the kind of the uncertainty of this season, it, you definitely can't kind of hate on those guys too much. I mean, if you were in their position, you would probably do the same thing. I mean, if you're a a, a high you know ranked prospect for the NFL draft, you know you never know when something could happen. I mean, it, you could be it could be the last series of that game. And, and you're playing in it, and you get hurt, and you you know blow your knee out, or you know even a career-ending injury, or you know something. You 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 never have anything promised to you when when you're playing at that level. So I understand. I mean, if I was in that situation, I couldn't say that I wouldn't do the same thing. Uh, does it does it is it viewed differently by a lot of people that they don't have the, the heart for it, or they're not motivated, or they're letting their team down? Sure, but people are going to say that, and they're not a first-round draft. Prospect. So, at the end of the day, does their opinions really matter? Uh, I can't really blame some of those yeah. guys. So, I mean, it
2: is worth noting. I don't know if y'all remember uh, Jake Butt. He was a tight end at Michigan. In 2016, they played Florida State. That was the year that Michigan had like Jabril Peppers and all those guys. Jake Butt was a fir- Jake Butt was a first-round, you know, talent at tight end. He tore his ACL in that Florida State bowl game. And you haven't heard from him since. He just never recovered the right way. And the Broncos draft, he's on the Broncos now, but he has not played meaningful snaps since that injury. So I think that is worth noting. That's where I see the side of it. But at the same time, it's just like guys that I get, that's why I said I get for that reason, but dudes that are like starters that, you know, maybe a sophomore that don't want to play, you know, that just kind of, That kind of irks me a little bit. It's like you're just kind of giving up on your brothers and you're on your team Uh, at that point. You know, if you're a
3: first-round draft prospect. If you're anything past the first draft, I feel like past the first round, I feel like you should play just in order to try and increase your draft stock. People are going to watch this game regardless because they want to see how Georgia plays against Cincinnati. And I think it will end up being a good game. Uh, I honestly don't know which way I lean on it, to to be honest with you. I, I think Georgia will end up pulling it out, but I do think Cincinnati will give them a run for their money. But I understand wanting to dodge it because you don't want to risk injuries. But on the same kind of page as injuries, we had a couple stars come back from injuries last night in the NBA and led. Some,
1: yes, sir. Whew, that, they, that boy KD yeah. and Kyrie were cooking it up against Steph without Ooh. the the clayless Warriors. I mean, whew.
2: it was good to see. It was good to see KD out there post injury doing his thing like he never left. And I'm just excited to see why him and Kyrie because at this. I was talking to Cameron yesterday. I was like, "Man, the Nets are gonna just dismantle the Warriors." And Cam said, "I think I have the Warriors winning," because he he was saying that he was worried about how that chemistry will go and how you know how long it'll take Katie and Kyrie time to figure that out. But it seems like they were just on page one, clicking the entire game from you know from the tip off. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see that that Nets team, you know, and how they just further increase their rapport throughout the season.
0: Yeah, not th- one thing I liked is. You know, Katie or Kyrie had 26 and Katie had 22, which is, you know, obviously they can both do a lot better. They're capable of that. But I like that Karis LeVert had 20 off the bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, Karis LeVert was a he was a very under-the-radar, unsung hero for the Nets. I know they didn't get a lot of love because they weren't good, but Karis LeVert was solid. And if he can continue to still find a place and find rhythm in that offense, playing alongside two superstars like that, I mean, hey, that bodes well, man. If they can get points off the bench like that, they are a real threat to the East. I, I was. Last night before the game, I thought game one, um, I thought you know, the Warriors' overall experience would play out uh, and be the defining factor. But, hey, KD and Kyrie, they came ready to play, and if they hold this yeah, up, that's, um, they could be a serious threat. I, I was able
1: to, to watch both of those games last night, and the Nets did look good. Um, you know, Kyrie LeVert last year w- w- being one of their starters, you know, with, with uh, KD and Kyrie out and whatnot uh, battling injury, and I, I think it honestly is better for the Nets that Karis LeVert comes off the bench because now he has essentially more freedom to do more with the basketball and he's not trying to force so much. And anytime you're playing with two of the best players of this, you know, decade, two decades, whatever, you know, they, it it only helps you. Um, and they got a lot of guys that kind of fly under the radar. I think Karis LeVert has a really legitimate shot at winning six man of the year. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's not gonna, by any means, you know, put up a 20-20 game, uh, but he's very capable of, of providing that kind of sh- uh, rim-blocking ability. Uh, he plays tough. He's a strong, physical guy. Um, you know, even Landry Shamet coming over from the Clippers. Uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie. So they have some guys that aren't your your kind of top tier, or even you know, at that that A-minus level. But they looked really good as a team, and I think that will be the biggest thing for them this year, just playing unselfish. Uh, if they play unselfish and they get back on fast breaks and, and run the floor, uh, they'll be a very hard team to beat.
0: Yeah, it's looking like a very dangerous one-two punch up in Brooklyn. But as we all know, the most dangerous one-two punch is all the way playing out in the West Coast, I, uh, It's Kawhi
1: Leonard and Paul George, right? After last after uh, last night, so. uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like yeah, uh, big give a big shout out to the uh, Clippers for being back to back opening night champs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. really. What what banners they raising for that? Huh? <laughs> huh? I, didn't, I, could, I, could, I couldn't hear one. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I thought I watched that game last night, you know, and I predicted I predicted that the Clippers would win. I was only four points off. Just watch. I, I typically know how. LeBron teams are go early on in the season, especially them coming off of the shortest NBA offseason in history, championship, ring ceremony night. I wasn't surprised to see the Clippers, you know, that they're sitting in the locker room, they're stewing, they're getting mad because they're like, well, the other team, our rivals, getting their rings. So I figured they'd win, but I I do want to give a big shout out to the Clippers because, you know, actually uh, what they did was kind of impressive. You know, that was that was actually the the um, the Lakers, oh, yeah, that was that was actually the Clippers' first win since Game Four of the Eastern Conference Eastern Conference Semifinals last year versus the Nuggets, when they went on to lose three straight and play their way out of the playoffs. And that was also the Lakers' first loss since Game Six of the NBA Final or Game Five of the NBA Finals, and you know which they went on to win Game Six and win the whole championship. So congratulations to the Clippers on getting their first win in a few months. You know. Uh, it looked to me like they they were still on that playoff bench. They were about to blow. I was about that to lead. say they so, almost blew a
1: twenty two point first quarter lead. So the, the, you know nothing's safe. Um, I heard some of the commentators talking about it. like you know you you come off of a season where you're up three one in a series, um, and the you you lose three straight to to kind of knock off your uh, your you know title hopes. And then you come into the first game of the season only, it was, I guess it was about a over, right around 100 days for them since they last played. Um, and they almost blew a 22-point lead. So it's like, all right, those are some of the things. Like, you don't want to start your season the same way you finished it. Uh, they were able to kind of get it together and pull out that victory. Uh, the Clippers did look good. Uh, they had some some nice additions. I think Serge Ibaka could be a, a pretty nice addition to them. Um, but at the same time, the, the Lakers are so deep. I mean, Dennis Schroeder quietly had almost a triple-double, you know, and LeBron didn't even play for most of the fourth quarter after kind of tweaking his ankle a little bit. Um, So they weren't really super competitive right there at the end. I don't think it really, you know, it wasn't about winning that first opening game to them as much as just trying to keep everyone healthy. Um, The Lakers are going to be perfectly fine. It doesn't change the, the, the odds for the title this year. Uh, just so much experience on that team and all the additions. Uh, Montrez Harrell played really good. Like I said, Dennis Schroeder played good. Um, you know, so they're going to get it together. It shouldn't worry anybody uh, of the state of the Lakers. Uh, they're going to be perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, that was the that was the lowest minutes LeBron has played in a season opener in his career. You know, and, and there was a point in the third quarter where the camera went to him and they were down by like 10. And he's just laughing on the bench, cutting up with somebody because – like, like we touched on, you know, a couple episodes ago, most likely this this season's playoff is headed towards another bubble. You know, and as much as LeBron is, you know, beating Father Time right now, there's no, there's no disguise in it. He's getting up there in age. So I don't think you're going to see him exerting himself going all out for the one seed like they did last year because it's ultimately not going to matter if there's no fans, if they're in a bubble like they were last year. So, you know, I don't – I don't really put much stock into him. I thought both teams looked a little shaky. You know, Kawhi put in 26 points, but it took him 26 shots to get there. So, that's obviously not too efficient. Uh,
1: Paul George, though, I uh, will say this. Paul George played really, really well last night. He caught fire. His, His form, his stroke was looking nice. If Paul George can step up, we all know... You know, what happened with him last year, and he just struggled and couldn't find the rhythm and get it down. Didn't have the microwave badge locked in, um, you know, but at the end of the day, if Paul George can play like that, not dropping, a, a you know, 33 points, you know, night in and night out, but if he can play and be very consistent for them this season, it gives them a lot better chance at, at making some noise. Uh, they still are a very talented team. Uh, Kawhi is a, is a robot, I'm convinced. Um, but at the same time, if Paul George can play well, uh, it, it definitely kind of revitalizes their team into another dimension. Um, you know, I know we made the jokes last year that said if uh, Paul George shot Tupac, he'd still be alive. But luckily he didn't miss too many shots last yeah. night. So uh, it was a little bit different for the Clippers and, you know, not so much of that uh, that playoff P. That's, that's what
0: I'm saying. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, Paul George had like – 38 points uh, Last year in the season opener Versus the Lakers and it was the same thing You know LeBron and Ella and Eddie didn't look Too good but Like we said I don't think this changes the This changes the odds at all You know it's season opener The Clippers have more motivation It's a long season AKA the GOAT still the GOAT
1: LeBron's still gonna do Bron things this so, will this will uh, also be a little interesting too um you know fantasy season for football is, is kind of uh winding down um then you also got nba uh fantasy kicking off and and luckily all four of us gentlemen are are in the same basketball league so that'll be uh some fun trash talk and whatnot cam i'm i'm afraid to to tell you that i'm gonna have to beat you this week um so we'll see how it goes. It should be a fun season. A lot of great games coming up. You got a full slate on Christmas. Uh, you know, so that'll be exciting. Uh, season tipped off, you know, right before Christmas. Did so, it's pretty awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to it.
2: I'm excited. I'm excited for the uh, Wizards game tonight. I want to see how um, Westbrook and Bradley Bill will do together. I honestly. I hope that this isn't the last really here, Westbrook. I hope he kind of, you know, revitalizes his career, you know, as the number one guy. So I think that'll be an interesting game to watch tonight. And I'm also going to watch my Hornets beat the Cavaliers tonight. I don't know. It's not really a big marquee game, you know. It's the Hornets and it's the Cavs, but I'm excited to see Lamelo Ball dish it out to Gordon Hayward and all those guys in Charlotte. So that'll be yep. a good game to watch. Are y'all yeah, watching Russell any games tonight? Yeah, will be perfectly
1: tonight? fine. He can he can put up triple doubles all season and, and lose more games than he wins. So he'll be happy and then back at home. Um, so that'll that'll be a, a fun you know season for to watch from Russell Westbrook. Uh, I'm I am really excited to see Lamelo Ball play. Um, He had some really nice passes, some highlight passes from preseason. Uh, But we all know regular season, it's a different game. Uh, So it'll be interesting. They they do have a lot of young talent. And then bringing over Gordon Hayward, you know, plenty of experience. Uh, So it'll be a fun game to watch. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and call it. I'm going to say the Cavs rookie, Isaac Okoro, uh, finishes with uh, the game high in points tonight. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching that.
2: Hey, also a uh, shout-out to Preston, Colin Sexton, Alabama boy. He, man, he, he was really taking care of business <laughs> last year boy. for the Cavs. That, He's that really carved out. Been
3: on my has yes, on everyone's radar, I feel like, since he had to play in the, three ver- the 3v5 game. Do you all remember that?
1: Yeah, this man. That's,
2: I do remember that, yeah. That was the crazy. The wow.
3: went to overtime and, like, we're still competing is
0: mind-boggling.
1: It's like if I were to play all three of y'all, you know, so. Yeah, it makes. <laughs> Except
0: and as long as it's not fantasy football.
1: Not hey, we, we don't want to talk about that. It's uh, officially the worst that I've ever finished in fantasy. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It, it's, they call it fantasy football for a reason. We know if uh, if we were to take the field, uh, it might be a little different story for you, Cameron
0: that's I, I know man that's what i'm saying uh, i'm enjoying it but it's like they call it fantasy football so it's supposed to be better than your real life but unfortunately <laughs> you're losing in, in real life and fantasy i, I can't catch it so, i can't <laughs> catch
1: a break i reckon it's a season <laughs> of giving and the world's just giving me ls so he's gotta take it you nah, take it with a, a small dose to just move on
0: <laughs> hey i've enjoyed it i knocked off Preston last week in the divisional round of the playoffs about to knock off Bryce here uh, these coming weeks I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you're going to see me come on. I'm going to have a whole new energy. Hey, Being the hey maybe. Uh, talking
1: about fantasy and better than real life, I guess it's a good thing you're making it to the, the Super Bowl in fantasy because the Steelers aren't in real life. So I guess that's a, I guess that's a win yeah. for you. Yes,
2: sir. <laughs> yes, that's sir.
1: all I'm saying. Hey, th- hey, that's fine, though, because you're just prepping for the draft. <laughs> Same thing you've been doing
0: since week, since week one of the it, season it, started. You knew. You knew. You're it's only because –
1: it's only because just... the NFL draft is just is so awesome and just mesmerizing. Like I love it so much. That's that's the only reason, really. But uh, <laughs> you, uh, love, you gentlemen, I love watching my
3: team have zero first round draft picks too. Oops. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> you gentlemen have anything you'd like to close well, on tonight?
0: Yes, yes. Before we get out of here, I just want to say, I will, My eyes will be on the uh, Bucks and Celtics game tonight, seven thirty on yep. TNT. And I'm saying right now, Jason Tatum going off. For 45 he's gonna be my player to watch he's this is this is a season tatum takes a big step he going for 45 tonight make a statement versus Giannis. i'm excited to see it but yeah other than that man i hope hope y'all guys have a merry christmas i hope all the viewers listen have a happy holidays y'all know enjoy it spend time with your family if you can i know i love meeting with y'all talking about sports every week absolutely it's a, oh, it's a yeah, good time
1: of the year cool. a lot of sports you know finishing up and, and, and tipping off. Um, But we we do appreciate all of the the listeners uh, for tuning in. Um, We do appreciate that. And like Cam said, we hope you all have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, just want to finish this off. Drew Holiday is going to be a problem with the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Mm. Drew Holiday coming to your screens this holiday season.
2: Same guy that I drafted in the draft last night. Love to hear it. All right, man. Peace.
0: All right, see y'all. Thank y'all for listening.